Welcome to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. I'm Eric Flickinger, your host, and this is Lesson 13, the final lesson in this quarter's Sabbath School Bible Study Guide. We are looking at the subject of Let Brotherly Love Continue. It has been a journey for the last 13 weeks, a phenomenal journey, and what an appropriate note to to end on, at least for this portion of our study of the book of Hebrews. Our guest today, once again is Pastor Felix Cortez. He is the Associate Professor of New Testament Literature at Andrews University. Pastor Felix, welcome back again. Thank you very much, Eric. It has been a pleasure for me to be with you during this journey. I have enjoyed it completely. And uh, this lesson is a wonderful lesson. It is a very practical one. I hope it may become part of our, of our life in, 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 in our churches. Well, and it really should be, because what we're looking at here is a very practical way that we can put in, into practice uh, what we're learning in the book of Hebrews. In uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, here's what it says. We're getting again to the very end of the book of Hebrews, and Paul says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels." Let brotherly love continue. Why is this so important for us? It is very important. First, because the book of Hebrews presents Jesus as our brother. And what Jesus did as our brother to save us, to protect us, to help us, to guide us, to be an example for us, that is what God wants us to be for each other. So just as Jesus is our brother, we need to be brothers to each other, just as Jesus was. That is a very practical conclusion of the theology of Hebrews. But there's another element to this. When you're going through difficult situations, when you are being persecuted, when people is uh, separating from you because of your faith, uh, in some cases, what the author of Hebrews, it says you need to press together. You need to, you need to improve your, 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 your love to one another because, because if you do that, you're going to help one another. Remember, one of the main things that Hebrews does is let's exhort one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's see how we can make one another, uh, you know, to do better works, Hebrews 10.25, to, um, to encourage one another to do good works. So we are in the church not simply because we go to the church to receive some beautiful message and hear some beautiful songs and experience a beautiful uh, um, service. What we go to church basically and primarily is to help my brother. Because when I help my brother, he helps me as well. That is the main reason. So that is what needs to happen in the church's individuality. There is no place for, for that in the New Testament. We are We leave the church as a family, as a community. There, it is, uh, how shall I say this delicately, Christians have sometimes been accused of being so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good, uh, that our heads are up in the clouds, that we don't make any real difference in the world, a practical difference to people around us. But, but really, the author of Hebrews here goes into some detail of things that we should be doing, things that we're expected to do as Christians. In verse number 3 of Hebrews 13, He says, remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. In verse 4, he says, marriage is honorable among all, 
and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So here he's giving us some very practical ways that we can and should ought to be treating one another. Remember the prisoners. Uh, remember your spouse. Uh, shun covetousness. It kind of sounds like he's writing to people today just a little bit. De- definitely it is. In fact, if you go to, to the, the whole chapter from 13 verse 1 through verse um, 17, probably 18, all of that has like six or seven specific ways in which we need to love one another, in which we need to express brotherly love. Uh, First, for those who are in prison, Christians were known in the the ancient world because of their um, um, care and concern for those who were in in, in jail. And not not only for Christians in jail, but for prisoners in general, there are important uh, um, uh, examples and stories in the ancient uh, Christian world of how many people was converted because of the way Christians help those who were in prison. Um, but not only that, Christians uh, Christianity has to do with brotherly love has to do with my spouse. That is my first brother, my first sister, right? And, and so we need to express brotherly love in, 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 in being pure in our relationships. And as you mentioned, covetousness breaks covenant, uh, brotherly love. It, it is one of the um, threats to, covenant, to brotherly love. But there are other elements. If you, go, um, if you go further away, you have, remember those who rule over you, your leaders, pray for them. But not only uh, consider the outcome of their conduct, See what is the, the example, and if it is a good example, follow it. And, and if you continue, uh, you continue in verse um, 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Uh, obedience is part of brotherly love. Pray for us, verse 18. All of these are elements that we use for, for brotherly love. Let, let, let me tell you something. I, I grew up as, an, as a pastor's uh, kid. And, and my father was the pastor of uh, several congregations and congregations that were in different parts of the, uh, of, of, of the country, you know. And so sometimes when there were big meetings or where there were coming uh, important guests, people from the churches will come, will travel to the main church and they will always uh, uh, be, you know, in our home. They will sleep in our home. We will have a lot of people in our homes. Let me tell you that that has been a blessing. That has been a blessing. And also, I grew up very often in colleges. My father was the director of one of the colleges, uh, president of one of the colleges. And so there were many people who traveled to colleges to get an education. And so we always had in our home Friends who stayed with us and lived with us, eat with us, ate with us. Many of them were not family. Probably the majority were not family. And so uh, I grew up most of the time with people living in my home that were not my family, at least not my immediate family. 
But that was a blessing. Because now I have friends in many parts of Mexico, in many parts outside of Mexico. Because when you give, when you give um, um, help to another person, you open your home to another person, another person is going to open for you or for your family later on. I became a pastor when I was 20 years old and I arrived to the city, Toluca. And one of the members uh, told me, Pastor, you come to live in my home. And there was in the third floor, yeah, they had a room. I said, this is your room. And I lived there. The little girls that, 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 that were part of the family became my little sisters. To this day, I go back to that home because they opened their home to me. I have won a family. You know, now that we have hotels and that we have all kinds of per diems and, and all kinds of things, we do not have that, that close relationship that happened in the ancient times. And we have lost some things. And uh, I think it is a blessing for us to open our homes to other people, uh, to help when there is a need. There is going to be a blessing for you as well. Maybe angels will come and be without you knowing that uh, and be guests in your home. You know, it's a powerful concept, this, this idea of community, and, and Christ and, and Paul know the importance of community. And here in the book of Hebrews, they're emphasizing it and hoping that we will, will grasp that concept of community as well. You know, there's a, a, a verse here in the middle of chapter 13 that I, I think is a powerful one, and you hear it quoted very regularly. It's verse number 8. Verse number eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here we are in the last chapter of the book of Hebrews, and this very powerful concept about who Jesus is, is, is right in the middle of this chapter. Why does that knowledge, that concept of Jesus being the same yesterday, today, and forever, why should that give us encouragement as we're looking at the book of Hebrews and how it applies to us today? Well, this is repeating, um, is repeating a, a, an assertion that the author made in Hebrews 1, where it says that Jesus is the creator, but Jesus doesn't change. What that means is that the promises Jesus has made will, are going to be fulfilled. Okay? And, 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 and so what is happening here is that if you, if you follow Jesus, right, and if you... Uh, because of being um, um, helping other people, you come into difficult situations. Remember, Jesus is going to be with you as well. He doesn't change. He will continue to provide for you. You know, there is an ancient book that is called the Didache. The Didache is an ancient manual for Christians, and there is in that in that manual what you should do with, uh, one, uh, with prophets that went, itinerant prophets that went from one church to another in ancient times, you know, second century AD, itinerant prophets. Or what did you do with, um, with evangelists that went from one church to the other? And, and there are some things that are said there that are very interesting. It says, that did a he, it says that, there is a way to know if a prophet is a, a, a true prophet or a not true prophet, a false prophet. 
if that prophet goes into the spirit and while he's in the spirit, he says, you know, prepare for me a meal, etc. He's a false prophet. He is just for the money, right? If he stays more than three days, he's a false prophet, etc. But he says, you need to hear first. You need to test. Because if it is the true prophet, you need to pay attention. Why is this interesting? This is interesting because it shows that hospitality had been abused in that time. Therefore, there was a need to say, you know, we need to catch, watch out against false prophets and, and false evangelists and be careful with that. Yet, the man said, you need to pay attention. You need to open your home. Do not let your love grow cold because of these abuses. Open your heart and open your homes. And if you find that this is not a good person, then you, you, you take, take, take him out. But I think it's something that we need to hear today as well. That uh, we need to continue to have our hearts open. Jesus will care for us and will provide for us as we do that. You know, if, if more people could see Christians caring for one another and for others the way that we ought to, the way that, uh, that chapter 13 talks about, I think there would probably be far more people wanting to be a part of Christianity than people wanting to be apart from Christianity. Uh, it's a beautiful picture of how we can care for one another in a way like Christ did. We're going to come back in just a moment, and we're going to tie together the final thoughts in our study of the book of Hebrews. We'll be right back. Thank you for remembering that It Is Written exists because of the kindness of people just like you. To support this international life-changing ministry, please call us now at 800-253-3000. You can send your tax-deductible gift to the address on your screen, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Thank you for your prayers and for your financial support. Our number again is 800-253-3000, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Welcome back to our very final segment of our study on the book of Hebrews this quarter. And as we get to the final few days of the lesson, Paul makes a very interesting observation, gives a warning, if you will. In Hebrews 13, verse 9, right after talking about Jesus Christ being the same yesterday, today, and forever, he then says this, Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. He gives this warning. Don't be carried about with various and strange doctrines. As we're getting to the very end of the book of Hebrews, why does he warn us about this? There was, at the time of Hebrews, already false prophets. There were false teachers. You go to the book of, for example, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus, you have very strong warnings that Paul gives to Timothy and to Titus against the false prophets and gives some ideas about their false teachings. So Hebrews is telling to these uh, to the uh, believers here, the audience, be careful with what you hear. Okay, be careful with what you hear. You need to test. And uses doctrines as uh, uses the word foods 
referring to doctrines. Okay, foods here is a symbol, a metaphor for doctrines. He's not talking about here unclean foods. He's not talking about here, um, uh, you know, unclean meats. Those were not considered food by, 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 he, by, by, by the Jewish people. But there is another reason. You have go to verse number 10. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Here, what he's talking about is the sacrifices. The sacrifices are the foods that, the, that, that he's talking about. Um, in the time of, of, of the Hebrews, um, Josephus tells us that some people did some meals in connection or coordinated with the sacrifices of the temple. And they believed that those meals provided grace some kind of spiritual benefits for those who participated in those meals because they were done in connection to the rituals of the temple. And basically what is happening is that some people in the audience of Hebrews, they are probably tempted to go back to the sacrifices and to the worship in the sanctuary in the temple or to participate of these meals that were connected to the, to the sacrifices of the temple. When Christians did that, they were beginning to distance themselves from Jesus. They, 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 for them, Jesus was not anymore the sufficient sacrifice. It was not enough. They needed to do all these other sacrifices. And, 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 and Paul says, you know, don't go into that direction. Those are strange ideas. A strange ideas because Jesus was sacrificed once for all, and he has perfected once for all all those who come through him. We don't need other altar. We don't need other table. We don't need other sacrifices. So that is what is happening there, right? But, but Hebrews invites us, right, to be careful, to watch out. What do we hear? What do we learn? And, and, and to test what we read in order to approve only what is good, what is according to, the, to, to what the Bible says, and to reject that is con- that, that which is contrary to, to the doctrine of Jesus. As we get closer and closer to the very end, we can expect that the deceptions are going to become greater and more subtle. And even when you look in Christianity today, there are so many different ideas floating around out there. Some of them are obviously false. Some of them are a little more difficult to, to discern. So our time spent with Jesus in prayer our time spent with him in his word, in, in Bible study, our devotional time spent with him, and our, and our time in community with other believers who are heading in the right direction are all going to pay incredible dividends as, as we prepare for the very soon coming of Jesus. In the last bit of the book of Hebrews here, uh, chapter 13, starting in verse number 10, there's this concept of being uh, outside the gate or outside the camp. And, uh, and it's a significant one. Of course, it's, uh, as the lesson mentioned, it's, the concept is found throughout the New Testament. But here in Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 10, which you just quoted, it says, We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. 
this is this concept is mentioned three times here outside the camp outside the gate outside the camp you don't usually run into something three times in repetition in the bible and it's insignificant so why is this concept of being outside the camp outside the gate and coming to jesus there why is that significant so this expression outside the camp or outside the gate is a really important expression and a very interesting one what happens is that in the old testament the camp is a place that has to be clean it has to be holy because god dwells in the midst of his people but outside the camp is where the unholy things the shameful things the unclean things go right if a person is a, is is a, is a leper he's uh, contaminated with leprosy he needs to be taken outside the camp outside the camp is where the lepers are right the the sacrifices when they are sacrificed in the altar everything that is the remaining of the sacrifice what is not sacrificed right that is taken outside the camp to be burned there outside is where the it's where garbage is right and um what what hebrews is saying is that jesus was sacrificed outside the gate in the new testament time the camp was the city of jerusalem okay but jesus suffered outside the gate as a leper is as a person who is a criminal is executed outside the gate and so jesus is cast out from judaism or from the nation at his time or from uh, the political authorities at his time he's he's cast out as a criminal as an unclean thing okay and now what do we do and what the author of hebrews says you need to you need to go with him outside the camp it's interesting you that is a very difficult decision now i don't know if you have been uh, at jerusalem uh, the audience has been at jerusalem probably eric you have been there but the temple was an amazing imposing structure it dominated the city the temple was the thing okay it was one of the most beautiful buildings in in antiquity and uh, the sacrifices and the ritual in the temple was really important for Israelites. Now Christians come and say, I don't sacrifice in the temple anymore because now my sacrifice is Jesus. And, and, and all the people who didn't understand this faith, who didn't believe in Jesus, consider that a rejection of the temple, consider that a rejection of the culture, a rejection of the people. A rejection of the community. You are crazy. And what is happening? They reject you. Because you are going to Jesus. You are following Jesus who died as a criminal. Right? So that is that is the meaning of go outside the gate. Is making the decision of following Jesus. Even if that decision means that you're going to be rejected by others as a crazy thing or as a, not a good thing that you're doing, uh, means that you may lose friends or advantages or possibilities because you are going outside the gate. You know, uh, 
not many years ago, there was a, a person, a friend, who was taking um, some Bible studies uh, with us and with friends of mine. And so we came to the moment in the lesson when this friend understood that he or she needed to make a decision. And what she told me is, I'm afraid because I make this decision, my family may reject me. And it was a real uh, difficulty for her because she loved her family and her family was a good family, but with very strong convictions. And, and, and I told her, you know, it is your decision. But following Christ may mean, not necessarily, I think that is not going to happen, but may mean being rejected by others. And, um, and it, was, it was a difficult decision for her. But there came a moment when she said, you know, Jesus is what matters most to me. And I, I, I need to follow him. It doesn't matter if I, if, if I am rejected. And, and, and she thought that she was going to be rejected. But you know, when she made that decision and, and followed Jesus outside the camp, made this big decision, members of her family ro- rose up to defend her. And said uh, to the family, you know, she has become a better person. Why are we going to reject her for making that decision when this decision can make them a better person, make her a better person? And, you know, God blessed her abundantly in a very powerful way. For me, every time I think about her story, I think about what it means to go outside the gate to God. Because what happens is that in rejecting Jesus, they rejected God. Now God who lived or dwelt in the sanctuary, now he's outside the gate. Now, if you want to go with God, you need to go outside the gate. If the city had not rejected Jesus, had not rejected God, God would not be outside the gate. You wouldn't need to go outside the gate. But because of that rejection, you, you have to go outside. Amen. Well put. Wherever Jesus is, that's where you want to be. He's the one who's going to get you through. He's the one who's going to help you make it to the finish line, to finish this race that the book of Hebrews talks about. Thank you for joining us for this quarter, for 13 weeks of an incredible lesson on the book of Hebrews. I trust that you have gained wisdom, insight, and practical application that, uh, that you can apply to your life. Pastor Felix, thank you so much for joining us for this, this marathon of study in the book of Hebrews. It has been a privilege. Any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us as we close off? Well, the final thought would be that we respond to the invitation of the Apostle Paul. When he wrote many years ago, he was writing to us, Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Let's put our eyes on him. Let's continue to understand him better. That is going to transform our lives. That is what I want to leave with the audience at this moment. Amen. Thank you once again, Pastor Felix, for being with us. And thank you for being with us on Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We'll see you next week for a brand new subject. God bless you.